reading today is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 28, verses 24 to 31. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much, Nick, and uh, a really warm welcome to you, especially um, if you're new with us this morning. My name's Matt, and um, I'm on the clergy team at St. Michael's. It's wonderful uh, to be with you on this Easter Sunday. Shall we pray? Lord, would you show us just how good your resurrection is today, that we would be moved to say with Thomas from the depths of our hearts, my Lord... And my God, help me to preach your word faithfully and come and fill us with resurrection hope. Amen. So I want to speak with you this morning about the way through doubt to resurrection hope. The way through doubt to resurrection hope. Now, if there's one reliable human experience... It is the experience of doubt. We all experience doubt of various kinds and various intensities. We can experience doubt about our health and think, well, will I be well enough to see my family at the weekend? We can experience doubt about our employers and think, well, will I get that promotion next year or not? Will I have done enough? We can experience doubt in our relationships and think, well, can I really trust that person or not? It reminds me of when I first realized that I wanted to marry Nikki, and uh, instead of just plucking up the courage to propose to her, um, I had doubts that she might not say yes. Um, So one time, um, on a virgin train journey to go and see my family, we were together, and I decided to engage in a quite ill-thought-through conversation. And it went something like this. Hypothetically, and strictly hypothetically, of course, if I was to ask you to marry me um, in this hypothetical universe, what would you say? And um, to my relief, and after much teasing, Nikki confirmed that yes, she would hypothetically, of course, say yes. And I did propose properly, uh, just FYI. But we all experience doubt, don't we? And of course, we can experience doubt about God. Anyone who claims to never experience doubt in their walk with God is either deluded or not being honest. 
I think Mark chapter 9 verse 24 says this and it expresses the feeling of many Christians down the ages. Lord, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Maybe you can connect with that. Lord, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And this is no more true than when we consider Jesus' resurrection. To many, the notion that a man could literally rise from the dead invites bemused curiosity at best to outright ridicule at worst. And in our scripture reading this morning, I think Jesus teaches us how to actually get through doubt to real resurrection hope. And the first step to it is this. We examine the evidence. We examine the evidence. Thomas is told by the disciples in verse 25, we have seen the Lord, that is the resurrected Jesus. And then Thomas not convinced by that, lays down his conditions for faith. He said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. It's like Thomas says, I'm not interested in nice sounding religious ideas. I'm not interested in philosophical speculation. I want proof that Jesus physically rose from the dead and Jesus meets Thomas right where he is and gives him the proof that he needs so halfway through verse 26 Jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you then he said to Thomas put your finger here see my hands reach out your hand and put it in my side so Thomas demands this kind of tangible evidence in order to believe And Jesus gives that evidence to him. He shows him the same hands that were pierced on the cross. And that leads Thomas to cry out what is considered to be by many people to be the highest point of the whole of the gospel of John. My Lord and my God. That's what the whole thing has been building up to. My Lord and my God. Now you might think, well, hang on a minute, Matt. Thomas got to see and to touch the resurrected Jesus' physical body if we go with the claims of the Gospels. I haven't been able to do that. So surely the evidence we have access to is less compelling than the evidence that Thomas had access to. I don't think that's right for a number of reasons. Consider for a moment the evidence that we have. We have, firstly, the evidence of the empty tomb. That's not easily explained away. Secondly, we have the claims of Jesus' disciples that they saw him risen from the dead on many different occasions. Um, The book of 1 Corinthians, for example, was written only 20 years after Jesus' resurrection. And um, in ancient document terms, that is absolutely nothing. And speaking about that, the Apostle Paul says this in chapter 15, such interesting words. He says, he, Jesus, appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. And here's the critical bit, I think. And then he says, most of whom are still living 
though some have fallen asleep or some have died. Now, this is absolutely extraordinary. Paul is saying to his readers, if you want to investigate the resurrection, you can track down and speak to over 500 witnesses, most of whom are still alive, and all of whom are saying, normal people saying, we saw and met the resurrected Jesus. That is high quality historical evidence. But thirdly, we have the evidence of transformed disciples. These are disciples that go from hiding away in fear to being, without exception, brutally killed for their confession that Jesus rose from the dead. And fourthly, we have the evidence of history. So Christianity exploded onto the world and grew at a phenomenal rate. Most would-be Messiah figures, and there were plenty in Roman times, would get crucified or killed and come to nothing. But Jesus was different. Why? N.T. Wright, one of the leading scholars and historians, said this, As a historian, I cannot explain the rise of early Christianity unless Jesus rose again, leaving an empty tomb behind him. And finally, we have the evidence of billions of people across human history who testify that they've encountered Jesus and found that he's not like any other historical figure, that he is alive and he is a person that can be known and experienced and enjoyed. So the first step to moving through doubt to resurrection hope is this, we examine the evidence And the reason that this exchange between Thomas and Jesus is in the Bible is because God wanted us to have access to the evidence. That's why it's there. That belief in the resurrection is not a blind leap into the dark. No, belief in the resurrection of Christ is a rational and reasonable belief based on strong historical evidence. Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. God has given us more than enough evidence to believe that Jesus Christ actually physically rose from the dead. So we examine the evidence. That's crucial. But the next step through doubt to resurrection hope is to consider Jesus' identity. To consider Jesus' Identity. Verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. A normal human being rising from the dead might not sound uh, far-fetched, but the claim here is that Jesus is God. That's the claim. And if we really grasp Jesus' identity, well, if he's really God, of course, he can rise from the dead. Indeed, how could he not rise from the dead if that is indeed his real identity? We consider Jesus' identity. It's a bit like recently I saw um, a video online um, of the footballer Cristiano Ronaldo, arguably one of the best footballers um, in the world. And in this video, the the producers um, disguised him as a street performer on the streets of Madrid when he was playing at Real Madrid. And so they stuck a beard on his face and uh, they gave him a wig and he was you know, totally unrecognizable. 
And then they let him loose on the street with a football. And uh, these, there's these sort of hilarious moments as people are sort of walking past and sort of double take as they walk past. Uh, not because they've recognized it's him, but just because of the incredible skill that he had. Um, and there's this really moving moment when a seven, maybe eight-year-old boy um, is kicking the ball back and forth with Ronaldo. Uh, this little boy has no idea that he's playing football with one of the greatest footballers of all time. And then Ronaldo decides that he wants to reveal his identity to this little boy. So he slowly pulls off the fake wig. He pulls off the beard. And you can just see the dawning realization on this kid's face um, as he sees that the, the bloke he's been kicking a ball around with is, in fact, the king of football. And it's a bit like that in this reading. Thomas has this kind of powerful light bulb moment when the resurrection enables him to see Jesus for who he is. The disguise comes off and he sees Jesus' identity and he cries out, my Lord and my God. For those of you who were there at the Good Friday reflection, it was so powerful and Jonathan uh, said this phrase, Jesus isn't useful, he's beautiful. It's a similar thing. Jesus isn't useful. He's beautiful. We reach that place of submission to him because of who he is. So the second step through doubt to resurrection hope is to consider Jesus' identity. The early Christians were not stupid. They knew, as we do, that dead people do not come back to life. This is not wishful thinking. Now, what Christianity claims is that only one person, one out of the billions upon billions upon billions of people who've ever lived, only one rose from the dead. And the reason he rose from the dead is because he is God. We consider Jesus' identity. And as we see who Jesus is, I want to submit to you, we can watch our doubts retreat into the shadows So we examine the evidence, we consider Jesus' identity, and finally, we doubt our doubts, and we believe our beliefs. We doubt our doubts, and we believe our beliefs. So halfway through verse 27, Jesus says to Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Or alternatively, stop being a doubter and show show yourself a believer is another way it could be translated. Even with all of the evidence Thomas has been given, Jesus says, I need you to make a fresh decision to put your trust in me. Because when you think about it, staying on the fence forever is not a sustainable position, is it? If you're waiting for a tube train to arrive, but don't actually step forward and get onto the train, the train will set off without you and you'll stay on the platform indefinitely. With all of the evidence Jesus has given to us, he calls us to put a clear and decisive trust in him this morning. Stop doubting and believe, says Jesus. Not, I imagine, with a kind of scolding or harsh tone, but with love and kindness. Stop doubting and believe. We doubt our doubts 
and we believe our belief. Because doubt is not as reasonable as it sometimes makes itself out to be, is it? You can subject your doubts to the evidence. You can subject your doubts to Jesus' identity. And see if your doubts, when you've considered those things, don't shrink to a more manageable size. Church tradition has it that uh, because of this encounter with Jesus, Thomas took the, go- the gospel as far as east as um, India and laid down his life for Christ there. That's quite an astonishing transformation, isn't it? What made the difference? What changed him? It was the resurrection. It was clearly a a real, a verifiable, life-changing experience that he had that empowered Thomas to lay down his doubts, to believe his beliefs, and to step forward into everything that God was calling him to do. And it's the same for you and for me. In the resurrection of Jesus, God is saying, it's time to doubt your doubts and to believe your beliefs. Jesus really did rise from the dead. Jesus is utterly worthy of your trust. And it's like in Jesus, God says to each and every person here, hope is here. That hope is here. True Christianity is unashamedly and unabashedly optimistic. If the greatest moment of humiliation an agonizing pain, the crucifixion of Jesus couldn't keep him down, but that God raised him from the dead, then of course, how could we ever allow ourselves to believe that any situation is beyond hope? You might be tempted to believe today, you know, that situation, I don't know what it is for you, is just too bad. You know, it's too bad and too broken for God to change it. But maybe the Lord's saying to you, really? You might not be able to change it, but I can. You might be tempted to believe today, well, the pit of suffering that I'm in is just unbearable. And the Lord is saying, don't give in to despair. I'm with you. I'm ever present. I rose from the dead and you can wait for me to make a way. You might be tempted to believe, I don't have what it takes to do something, maybe in your work or um, in another context, something God's calling you to do. But because of the resurrection, you can say, no, that's not right. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or you might be tempted to believe, as you listen to me, Matt, you don't understand. My doubt is deeper than what you've just dealt with. It's deeper than for me to be able to be a real Christian. Maybe God's saying to you, consider the evidence. Don't walk away. Consider Jesus' identity and keep exploring the claims of Christianity. But there's always hope and God has given us good reasons to believe. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you don't just expect us to have blind faith, but that you so kindly give us clear evidence, clear reasons 
to have hope that Jesus really did rise from the dead. And in any areas of our lives where that hope is not having the last word, would you change that and make us people of hope? That we would stand strong on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and live joy-filled and expectant and confident lives to his glory and in his name. Amen.